you have an outline in your bulletin for uh, a passage here from Luke chapter 6. Um, let me just ask you to set that aside. Um, we're going a different direction this morning. And uh, this will be the slide of the day. I, uh, when I was looking at a passage this morning, uh, God just uh, spoke to me a little bit, redirected things a little bit. So let's pray, and we're going to look at another passage. Father, thank you so much that you've cleansed us. Wow, what a gift. The reality of that we we can't we can't even grasp properly. We don't we don't get it because um, we too often don't understand the uh, seriousness of our sin. We don't understand the depths to which that sends us. I pray that you will continue to open our minds and hearts to you, that we would be cleansed by you in all things, Father. Uh, We're going to look into your word now, and there is certainly cleansing power within your word, and how you use this, it's always, always uh, amazing to me, how you speak to different hearts by um, what we do here on Sunday mornings. I'm asking that you would just, again, clearly guide, clearly direct this time, that it would be of you and for you, that it would be um, what you would like accomplished in in us, your people, as we're gathered here together. So it's to you we turn, uh, to your word that you have used in so many ways to give us life, to bring us life, to help us understand you more, to draw us closer to you, to help us see those things in our life, not only that needed cleansing, but those things that we can rejoice in. Because it's not all about getting things changed, Father. It's also celebrating and rejoicing in that which you have done, in that which you are doing. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and this time together, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I'm going to be in Revelation 2, so if you want to follow along where I'm at, that would be a good idea to turn there. If you want to read something else and take some other notes too, that's okay. Um, just try not to work on your grocery list while we're, while we're doing this stuff together uh, today. And... Um, so this morning I was reading, after I got up, one of the, one of the first things I do is sit and, and read, just because that works well for me. For you, it might work a different way. If you're not able to focus at that time, I'd encourage you to find a time where you can focus when you read God's Word, because otherwise you're just putting in time, and what sense does that make? You know, we don't want to just do that. We want to be able to engage with God and, and be transformed and grow a little bit more, so if morning doesn't work for you, find a time that it does. 
um, might need, mean that you need to set aside, you know, a little bit of your TV time. I hate to, you know, ask you to do something uh, so drastic as that or maybe something else, but just a thought for you. You know, do it when when it's uh, a time where you're going to learn something from God, where he is able to touch you a little bit. Revelation chapter 2, one of the ways <coughs> we ended up in this passage today, too, is because when um, we went downstairs for Sunday school this morning, uh, Paul was was leading us. And if you guys didn't, those of you who didn't make that time, you missed a, a great time. I really appreciate Paul's heart and the way God... Uh, has designed him to lead and to teach. Uh, but anyway, he was he was in Ephesians. Well, if you look here um, at verse 1, it says, To the angel, some of your translations say messenger, of the church in Ephesus. So this is one of the, one of the letters to the seven churches in uh, Revelation. I almost said in Ephesus. Uh, to one of the seven churches in um, Revelation now. We, a group of us meet together, a group of us pastors meet together, and um, there's seven churches that meet together. And when I said something to somebody one time about the seven churches, uh, I don't remember if it was Ginny or who it was, they looked at me and they said, which one are we? I said, well, I guess I never looked at it that way. We're not going to look at all seven churches. We are only going to look at at this first one here in Ephesus because that's the one... um, where God kind of got my uh, attention this morning. When you look at all seven churches, and, and it goes through chapter 2 and in chapter 3, you see the letters there as it continues. If you have little headings in your Bible, it tells you, you know, the letter to the church in Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamon, uh, to Thyatira, to Sardis in chapter 3, Philadelphia, and that's not in Pennsylvania, by the way, and uh, Laodicea. And, you know, so it, it tells you those, you know, those there. And some people see those seven churches as um, times in history. Interesting. I, I think it's a very interesting proposition. I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, oh, that sounds good. Until you hear the second one on on how they break those time things down and then it's Oh, that's good too, but it's a little different than the first one I heard. And there's a lot of different ones, and could it be that? I don't know. It certainly, uh, it certainly could be. Our problem is when we look forward, you know, in, in prophecy and, and things, we get real confused. You know, when we're looking forward, it, sight's not as good as looking backwards. For example, I could tell you, uh, I could ask you now to just tell me a few things. Um, as you look back on your year last year, a few things you would have done differently, and I'm, I'm sure you would have more than probably six, uh, you know, because now that we know and we look back, we can see things. Well, here, you know, I think part of what's going on is um, God is communicating through John to seven very specific churches and their situations but he is also speaking to all of us, I believe, here in this. So follow along. I'm going to read the first seven verses because that's uh, really only as far as uh, um, I'm going to look at today. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands says, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. 
You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and have not grown weary. (coughs) Excuse me. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Uh, Yet you do... Excuse me. Yet you do have this. Uh, You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Anyone who has an ear to hear should listen what the Spirit says to the churches. And I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, he tells us right there at the the end of what we read in verse 7 that Everybody should be listening to what he says to the seven churches. So no matter how it is that you look at these and that you would try to interpret it, one of the things that is very clear to me is that we need to be paying attention uh, to what he says to the churches. Now, when I was looking at this passage, and as I'm looking, as I was looking at it, and I was thinking about us, when you look at verse 2, he says, I know you're, and then he goes on and lists things, works, labor, love. Um, one of the things we say, but we don't always live in light of, is that reality right there, that what we do is obvious to God. Obvious to God. We think we're hiding things sometimes. I've had people, you know, come come to me and, and tell me, you know, I've been doing this. This was this is what was happening. It's like we had no clue. You know, we had no clue that this was going on. Because they were able to hide it from us, but the reality is they weren't able to hide it from God, which partially was evidenced by the fact that they came to me and said, this is what, this is what you know, I've been doing. This is what's been going on. So we say, you know, we would, we would say we know nothing's hidden from God, and yet we don't always live in the reality of that statement. We don't always live in the reality that he sees and he knows what's going on. Now, he goes and he lists several things there in verse 2. Sarah, did you change this? Or can't I share in germs? All my germs now. Thank you. Sorry about that. And this cough thing just still hasn't quite in, quite, quite in? I think I made that word up. Hasn't quite gotten, uh, I haven't quite gotten rid of it. Anyway, <clears throat> verse 2. Look at, look at the things here that he says. You know, the one holds the seven stars in the right hand. I know your, notice what he says, your works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we quote often, you know, that uh, about um, the fact that we are saved, by, you know, it's by grace you're saved, not through faith, not by works that any man can boast. In verse 10, we too often leave out where we are saved in King James unto good works. We are saved for the reason of good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When I was a kid, um, we had chores. We didn't really have a chore list. Uh, well, maybe we did. If we did, I never saw it, um, which was evidenced by the way I didn't help. 
<coughs> one of the things on our chore list though was dishes and we had to do dishes we took turns doing dishes uh we did we we had a dishwasher it was called mary and pat and um you know so when it was my week uh you know i had to you know do the dishes and things and and here was the one of the really th- neat things that we counted on both my sister and i um and i believe my brother was in on, on this rotation for a while too but one of the things we counted on was that um the other one wouldn't do their wouldn't wouldn't do the work that they were supposed to do and here's why because whatever day it was we changed saturday let's say uh that on saturday if the dishes weren't done they were still yours baby it didn't come to me they were still yours so don't do those dishes because you know what if you can get me through to wednesday i'm just going to be a happy guy because then I only have Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, we get to Saturday again, and it's going to be your turn again. Uh, you know, and so, but, so, God, so Ephesians, you know, 2.10 tells us that God, we have these, he saved us for good work. You have to continue to have sense. He saved us for a reason, for, for, you know, for those good works, which he prepared in, ahead of time in advance for us to do. Now, uh, is it that he has a chore list for us? I guess I would say yes and no to that. Uh, yes, because I believe, I believe there's some people that only you can, that, that God has designed you to reach. Let me put it that way. Think of, think of a, of a friend or a relative right now who doesn't know Christ and you really want them to come into a relationship with Christ. Just get their picture in your mind for a minute. Get, get, get their face in your mind. Have I ever met them? I'm guessing for most of you, no, I haven't. So guess who's never going to be able to explain the gospel to them? That would be me, the guy who's never met them. But who could? Well, it could be you, the person who is thinking of them right now. We can get hung up sometimes on on this list of work. What is it that you have for me to do? Well, see, God does have some of those very specific things, but God also has, uh, you know, he has the reality that he has gifted you and called you to be the person he wants you to be. Right now, right where you are. And as he leads you through life, he is going to use you and, 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 and those works then will be happening without, sometimes without you even realizing it as you are living as he's called you to do and as you are being the person that he's called you to be. So when we look at this, and, and again, good things, you know, that, that he says, I have seen your works. I have seen your labor. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight tells us, you know, that, that the labor, our labor for the Lord is not in vain. You ever feel like you're spinning your wheels? Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, as a pastor, one of the things, one of the things you, you get to do very often is feel like you're spinning your wheels. It's just, uh, it's just one of the benefits. You know, it's just one of the benefits. Um, you know, uh, Ask any of the other guys, you know, who we, we have, there's, you know, we have, we have, uh, four other guys here who have served as pastors and, you know, go ask them, ask them, uh, if they remember the very first sermon they preached. And then ask them, you know, what, what their thoughts were. Because see, when we, particularly when you come to your first sermon, you have all these 
you know, and you're going to change the world. And, you know, you are going to deliver this message that is going to change the world. You know, and you preach it and it's like, don't take this, don't take offense to this, but, and so you know we're in trouble now. Um, but, but sometimes it feels like you've, you've just shared your heart with a sack of potatoes. And I remember the, I remember, well, I think it was the first sermon I preached and, um, and boy, you know, it should have changed the world. And I'm not sure it changed anybody. I don't know. Except for the fact what God tells me there in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is that my labor for the Lord is not in vain. Remember that phrase, labor for the Lord, because that'll come up again. Well, then he goes on, he says endurance. Uh, Galatians, well, in, in Galatians 6, 9, in Second Thessalonians three thirteen, you know, it tells us not to weary of well doing. It's easy. It is. It is. It's easy, you know, to get worn out. He says, "I have seen your endurance." It's mentioned again in verse three. He mentions endurance again in verse three. And it, I was outside shoveling the snow yesterday because. I get this thing, and there's snow, and I have to shovel it. That's just the way it is. That's just one of the things, the way God has wired me. And those of you who didn't shovel your snow today, see, I would say shame on you, but that's okay, because God, God has wired some of you differently than he has wired me. And so I'm out there shoveling, and I thought, I see why people can have a heart attack doing this. Because we get worn out, and we get easily worn out, and sometimes we get worn out even doing the things we like. It sounds odd to you, but I like shoveling snow. I I, I do. No, I'm not going to come over to your house. (laughs) I don't like it that much. But, but, you know, the the endurance. And and he says, he's he's seen this endurance. And he brings it up again, again, in in verse 3. Why? Yeah. I just found that interesting. And then he says, but you cannot tolerate evil. Ephesians 5, 3, it gives a list of sins and it says in there, don't, don't, it says, don't even let these be named among you. Don't even let them be named among you. These things, these things that are gone. He says, don't even let them be named among you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, he tells us to avoid every appearance of evil. Avoid every appearance of evil that you don't, you know, you, you don't even let those things, you, you behave in such a way where that the appearance of evil won't even be there. We can, we like to walk the line. We like to see as close as we can get to, you know, to, uh, flirting with someone who's not our spouse, um, saying something inappropriate. Uh, the, the list goes on. And we like to see sometimes how close we can get to that line that we should be staying far away from. <clears throat> if it were an electrical fence, how, how, you know, did, would you want to see how close you could get to it without getting zapped? I just prefer to leave, to leave plenty of room between me and it. You know, uh, and this is what we should do with, you know, with this. He says, you know, that you cannot tolerate evil. Don't even let it, don't, don't you know, don't even let those be named among you. Avoid every appearance of evil. And then he says, you've tested the claims, you know, you've tested those claiming to be apostles, the, the, those claiming, you know, authority. When he gives the, 
when he, when God is the he here, when God gives the, the instructions for leaders in the church to Timothy, to Titus, when he gives those instructions and he gives, he says, look for these qualities in these individuals. Look for, look for these qualities that are there. You know, that, that they would, that you would see, you don't, you don't say, it's not a question of, of, um, promoting somebody, you know, to their level of, there's a phrase for that, which is escaping my mind right now, to their level of incompetence. You know, you don't promote them to their level of incompetence that you keep promoting someone until they finally get to a job that they can't do anymore and then they're lousy at it, but you already promoted them, so you leave them there. Uh, you know, that, that, that's not, that's not the, you know, what, what God is, what God is calling us to here. He is calling us to, you know, you, you look and you see, you know, who, who, when our nominating committee meets, <coughs> one of the things, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things I tell them is what we're doing is looking to see who God has put these qualities in for these areas. And we simply ask them to serve. We say, you know, we've, we've noticed these qualities in you and would you be willing to serve in this way? Yeah, but the test of those claims, the Bereans in, in, uh, in the book of Acts, it says that the Bereans were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. I remember the first time I saw Bereans, uh, when we were attending the, um, CMA church, uh, after I became a Christian and, you know, we continued hanging out in that CMA church there, uh, that's Christian Missionary Alliance for those of you that don't know, sorry. Uh, so, they had Sunday school classes, and they were fine, you know, but they were a little boring. And so I thought, you know, our pastor's up there every Sunday, and he's preaching like this, and, and we should be paying more attention to that. So I asked the pastor, I said, would it be okay if I started this, did this Sunday school class where we talked about your message? And it would be from the week before because it's set up like ours. Sunday school was before the service. And he said, yeah, he thought that would be great. In fact, uh, we met in, in his living room. And then we met in his living room and kitchen. And then we met in his living room, kitchen, and family room because that's so many people started coming to this class. Well, the first Sunday then, <laughs> the first Sunday that, that we're starting this, I get to, you know, I, I, I get to church and I get the bulletin. And there's an announcement in there about this new Sunday school class. And I looked at it and I said, the B-Reens, what's the B-Reens? You know, and I said to pastor, what's the B-Reens? And he says, it's the Bereans. He said, you know, and he, he, he shows, you know, tells me a verse in, in Acts where it says about the, the, the Bereans searching. Well, here he's, he says, you know, that you've tested the claims of the authorities. Now, here's, here's the thing. Notice, notice. Their orthodoxy was correct. They were doing the right things. They were doing the right things. He says, you know, I, I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you can't tolerate evil. You've tested those who call themselves, you know, and you found them to be liars. You know, you're doing these things, and you, you know, you're doing these things good. You know, that endurance if tolerated many things because of my name, and you have not grown weary. <coughs> and he goes on in verse 4. Here's the problem, he says, though. 
you abandon that love you had at first. Here's the deal. They were doing the right thing for the wrong reason. They were doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Their motivation in what they were doing wasn't because of their love for God. That's what I get from what he's saying here. That they had let that love for God which motivated them at first to do these things be replaced by, well, we need to do these things. And these doing these things took the place of God. And we can fall. You lean one way or the other. We, we all do. You, you lean one way. Or, I told you she'd talk back to me. It's okay. Don't worry. You, you lean one way. We pray for these kids. Don't worry. We lean one way or the other. You lean toward doing, toward doing things and thinking that is, that that is enough, that that is it. Or you lean toward thinking the right things and thinking that is enough and that is it. But when I read this, notice what he says. He says then, you know, you, you need to repent and, you know, you, you, you need to repent. They were doing the right things, but not for the right reason. He didn't tell them to stop doing the right things. He didn't tell them to stop doing the right things. He told them to repent, to turn back to God. Not repenting of their actions because their actions were correct. What he was telling them was to repent of their motivation for doing what they were doing. Because it was lacking. Because it was misdirected. Because their motivation was misguided. It wasn't motivated any longer by the love of God. They needed to repent of their misplaced motivations. They were doing the right things. What begins to happen? What begins to happen to us? God gets a hold of us and we get excited. It's hard to live excited. It, it is. It's hard to live excited because it takes, it, it, because energy is expended. I was going to say it takes energy. It, it uses fuel from us, if you will. It uses fuel and we need that time to get replenished but sometimes what we do is instead of getting replenished, we just, we've expended the fuel, but now what we're doing is we're doing these things because they're the right things. Not because of our relationship to God. But we begin to do them simply because they're the right things. Or we do them because, well, what are people going to think if we stop? What are they going to think? I don't want them to think I'm a failure, for one thing. We see, that's about me. I don't want them to call and bug me. Well, again, that's about me. 
or we do them and we think, I want them to know that I'm doing the right thing. Well, again, that becomes about me. And what happens is we, we've replaced our first love where we were doing these things for God and because of what God has done in our lives and because of who he is, and we have replaced those with doing them now because of me. And God doesn't get the glory, you see, because it has all become about me. Subtly, perhaps, but the reality of it. I've had to, I've had to work through this so many times, you know, so many different times where, you know, I, I just had to be careful. And it was like God just, you know, tapped me and once again and said, you know, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. I lean toward doing the right thing. That's, that's, you can look at it law or love, whichever way you want sometimes, you know, doing, doing, you know, but I, I lean toward doing the right thing. That's just the bent God gave me. Yeah, and, and, and God has given me a wife that leans toward the love aspect of it. Both have problems, just so you're aware of that. Both of them have problems. I know I haven't told you before, Ginny has problems, but she she does. Um, I'm one of them. She's not here. I can talk about her. <clears throat> Feel free to tell her. Yeah. Uh, here's what happens. One, one of the problems, you see, one of the problems with leaning toward the doing is, I'll run right over you. And I've done that to some of you. It, trust me, it wasn't intentional. You know, uh, and I'll run right over you. Well, on the love, on the other side, you see, if, if we if we then the love, the thinking, you know, everything. So then, what happens is, I, I you know, it's kind of can't we all just get along type of thing? My answer is no. Uh, but can't we all just get along type of thing? You know, and so what we do then sometimes is we we kind of can set aside doing the right thing. And we need to come, you know, God has just has given me a wife that has called me back many times to stop running over people. Sometimes literally, huh? Uh, but that's another story. Uh, we won't get into that one now. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, you know, God has, has and called me back into that place where it's not just doing the right thing, but it's doing the right thing for the right reason, but it doesn't stop there. It's doing the right thing for the right reason, so God gets the glory. So He gets the glory. Not so the attention is on me, but so that the attention is on God. That we do, that we, we, we do God's work in God's way for God's glory. And notice what he, you know, that's what he says. He said, he says, it's a good thing. He says, you've, you've, I, you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It's good to hate things God hates, by the way. God hates. Well, that's what it says. Um, you know, so, it, but, verse seven, anyone who has an ear to hear, should listen. 
to what the Spirit says to the churches. And I will give the victor. Some of the translations say overcomer. Boy, I like that word. I like that word. The overcomer. For me, the biggest thing I have to overcome is the guy I see in the mirror. It's the guy I see in the mirror. That's the biggest thing I have to overcome. There's always challenges to life. You probably have some right now and your list may be longer today than it was yesterday. And certainly those things are there to overcome. But when I look and I see what the Spirit said to the church here in Ephesus, is that I need to do God's things. God's way. For God's glory. Not for mine. Not my way. Not my things. Not my glory. God's things. God's way. For God's glory. Let's pray.